Luke chapter 19. Let's remember that this is God's Word. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus uh, reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Uh, Lord, we've been singing of your grace to undeserving and to helpless people. Uh, speaking to us is one of your great graces. So we pray that you would... Um, as we've read your word, that you'd speak to us. And as we take a few moments to, to think about it, to reflect on its meaning for us, uh, we pray that you would speak to us, to each one of us. Speak to us that which we need to hear. Amen. So folks, we're just last Sunday we re-entered into Luke's gospel and started a series there that's going to take us right through until Easter time and today we we arrive in in this early part of chapter 19. Just over a week ago on the 3rd of January a guy called Simon Dudley whom I'd never heard of uh, who is uh, the Conservative Council leader uh, of the Windsor District in London. He called for the removal of homeless people uh, from the, the streets of uh, that part of the city to make sure it was looking spick and span for the royal wedding uh, coming in May. Got a lot of people thinking. Give us a, a bit of a, a dilemma. Who do we side with? Where, where do we see life falling? Do we see it from the point of view of the, the powerful and the privileged? Or from the point of view of the poor and disadvantaged? Last week we actually, uh, I hadn't seen it last week, but I see it now. The, the events that we looked at last week bear an uncanny resemblance to what's happening in London just now. Jesus, a celebrity, was approaching the, the city of Jericho and there were people who wanted to make sure that the, the, the city created a good impression on this visitor among them. So whenever the town beggar, whenever this blind guy got up and started shouting, drawing attention to himself, the crowd tried to, to shut him up and to push him out of the road. There wasn't much of an appetite in, on that occasion to see life from the point of view of the poor. 
took Jesus to come along to raise up this beggar, this blind man, and to, to look at life from the point of view of the poor. No matter who you might be, no matter how low you are, Jesus says you have a place in this story. It's interesting to see what, the, what happened there. We, we didn't have time to, to dwell on, on every last outworking of, of the story last week, but the crowd outside Jericho, it seems that they accepted Jesus' critique. Uh, by, by raising up Bartimaeus, he sort of implied, well, guys, you got this wrong. You were trying to push this guy out of the road, but here I am, and I bring him to the center and bring him to me. And we read at the end of, of chapter 18, final verse, that everyone finished up praising God. So what, what Jesus did when he raised up the poor blind man, people liked that. That was good. I think we still like that, by and large. We like it if somebody champions the oppressed. We like to see that. Maybe you saw Oprah this week speaking at the Golden Globes. And she gave that very powerful speech, fighting back against the, the oppression, the sexual harassment of women, which has been institutionalized in the film industry and beyond for as long as anyone can remember. You hear Oprah give a speech like that and you think, you go girl. It's great to hear somebody rooting for those who have been in some way oppressed. So, so for the most part we like that. And we certainly would, wouldn't want to be seen speaking out against that. But what would we do if somebody chose to show grace to the oppressor. If somebody came along, and, and we have our stories of goodies and baddies, uh, where the, the baddies and the goodies are all very clearly defined and characterized. We have our Weinsteins and our McElduffs and all sorts of people who, who we know are wrong and bad and oppressive. If somebody came along and showed grace to people like that, well, that might give us new questions to think about. And that's what we see in our passage today. It's a bit of a Sunday school classic, as I've already said, so um, we might imagine there's nothing here for us. I, I certainly found, as I had a look at it, there was more than I had anticipated. So, so let's Let's move on. It, it's a, it's a, in a sense, it's a seamless story with last week's. Last week, Jesus was on his way uh, into, if you remember, the town of Jericho. And verse 1, we're told today, he entered Jericho and was passing through. So, so the first thing to notice here is he, he's only passing through. He doesn't stay in Jericho. Um, the crowd who had gone out to meet him, we talked about this last week, were really excited that a celebrity was coming to their town. I can only imagine that they'd made a lot of plans. They'd applied for grants from the commission and they'd got the, the street party lined up. Everything was ready for Jesus to come to town. But somehow they get word that, you know, either from Jesus himself or one of his disciples, no, we're, we're not planning to stay. We're just passing through. 
And Luke's broken this news to us that Jesus is just passing through, and immediately he, he tells us about one of, the, uh, one of the inhabitants, one of the citizens of Jericho, who becomes the, the sort of key player in this story, a guy called Zacchaeus. Tells us a couple of things about him. They're two different things, but they are related. He's a tax collector, and he's wealthy. So... The, the way it worked, I think I've probably talked about this before, but uh, taxation was on a bit of a sort of a franchise system in those days. So uh, imagine for a second that I have decided I'm going to become the, the chief tax collector in Ballyhackamore. I go down to City Hall, I ask, how much is the franchise to tax Ballyhackamore? And they say, you know, that'll cost you X number of grand a year. I'll say, okay, I'll do it. Once, once I do that, once I agree to pay them the, the money that they need down there, the Roman authorities, they don't ask any more questions. They say, you tax it, you pay us your annual fee, you can tax as much as you like, and you've got our soldiers standing by to make sure that people pay. So think about that for a second. It costs me, I don't know, a million pounds to buy the franchise for Ballyhackamore. If I decide to push the rent or the, the taxes up, I might just be able to bring in two million pounds. And I've got Rome standing behind me saying that's all right. So this guy, he's got very wealthy. And we can only imagine he's done that by buying the franchise and overtaxing. So you can maybe begin to see why Zacchaeus, why he's wealthy, but also why he's not very popular. He's getting rich off the poor. And to make matters worse, Zacchaeus isn't just any tax collector. It says he's the chief tax collector. He, he's top of this racket. Whoever else is up to no good, he's right at the, the top of the pile. So he, he is public enemy number one. It can be difficult, I think, on occasion to, to rescue these biblical characters from the, the Sunday school caricature. And there's a reason for that. If you're first introduced to somebody when you're three or four or five, you tend to meet them in a particular way. And, and actually, no matter how often you meet them, those first impressions are hard to shake off. So I don't know what you think of Zacchaeus, but try to push it out of the road for a second. Let's work out who is Zacchaeus. As I was trying to think about that this week, who, who is this guy? If we transpose him into 2017 Belfast, what, what, what's he like? I think we have here a guy who's lost his place in God's story. Think, think for a second with me. Do you remember when we were looking at Deuteronomy before Christmas? One of the one of the passages we looked at was the Shema, the call to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So any Jewish boy was taught this since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. Life is about loving God. And then Jesus said, when, when he was asked by the lawyers, what's, what's the law all about? What's life all about? He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So every Jewish person knows that this is the essence of the life that God calls us to. Love God, love your neighbor. That's what life's all about. 
Zacchaeus feels to me like a guy who's come to the conclusion that he doesn't want to live that life anymore. He's certainly not loving other people. And I'm going to guess, maybe I'm surmising, but I'm going to guess that his love for God's probably gone cold somewhere along the way. Who's the case in today's money? Well, he's somebody who's, who's drifted from his place in God's story. He, he doesn't believe anymore that life's about loving God and, and loving other people. Maybe he's found himself drawn to the, the modern self-help sort of narrative. If I want to live happily and well, I'd better learn to focus on me. Here are a couple of the best-selling books, the kind of books people are buying at the start of 2018 as they look for a story to live by. Excuse the language. The life-changing magic of not being too concerned by Sarah Knight. Subtitle, How to Stop Spending Time That You Don't Have Doing Things That You Don't Want to Do With People That You Don't Like. This is very popular because this is what people want to learn. How to get that love stuff out of their system. That love for other people, love for God, and just turn it all in on themselves. A slightly less abrasive uh, version, but, but possibly a similar message. The next book, The Self-Care Revolution. Smart habits and simple practices to allow you to flourish. I could have shown you a hundred of these books very, very easily. So Zacchaeus has lost his place in God's story. He no longer believes that it's about loving God and about loving other people, but living this life that God made him for. And he's become wealthy. But it's fascinating, isn't it? He doesn't seem to be happy. Can't help but think that he's, he's just not content. There's a desperation about him. He's looking for something more. Uh, why else would he be so desperate to meet with Jesus Christ? Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he can't because of the crowd. This is one of these things that we know. We know that he can't see Jesus because he's small. Okay, that, I remember that from, primary, or from Sunday school. Uh, small people can't see over big people, all of that. It's kind of, it kind of part of his problem, but I don't think it's the, the whole of his problem. You see, if you think about that for a second, we've all had children or a, a smaller person at an event. We just find ways to step aside and let the child be in the front row. Make sure that the shorter person gets a vantage point from which they can see. Why, why does that not work for Zacchaeus? Why can't he just find his place in the crowd? Uh, it seems to me it's another indicator of how unpopular he's become in, in the, the city of Jericho. You see, the crowd would make space for any influential leader, but not for Zacchaeus. It's not safe, actually, for Zacchaeus to be in a crowd with other people. Think about it for a second. In a culture where the primary weapon is still the knife or the dagger, 
easiest way to get rid of somebody is in a big, bustling, thronging crowd. One flash of a blade, one muffled cry, and he's, he's dead. And nobody even notices until the crowd disperses, by which time I'm away, if I'm the culprit. Zacchaeus knows that he's not safe in a crowd. He simply can't risk being with other people. That's how bad his relational life has become. And instead he finds Zacchaeus doing two things that are totally unheard of. He runs and he climbs. So if you know, I don't know, it's, it's probably famously a part of another part of Luke's gospel. In the story of uh, the prodigal son, the father in Jesus' story runs to meet his son. It's a scandal. Middle-aged men with seniority in, in that culture, they do not run. It's just not the done thing. In this story, to add insult to injury, he's climbing a tree. Now, I don't know. I had to think about this. I, I can't remember when I last climbed a tree. Like, maybe you guys are doing this all the time. Yesterday, out for a walk in, in a National Trust property, and you said to your wife, listen, I just need to see that one there. We don't, we don't do that much, much less in this culture. Much less. Um, John Badeau, he's a, an American ambassador to Cairo during uh, JFK's time. He tells a story of how he once did climb a tree in his back garden because he was hanging some lights um, for a, an event that we're going to have in, in the embassy. Uh, and the word, somebody saw him doing this and the word got out. And President Nasser of Egypt, next time he was doing a bit of, a, a bit of business with him, he said, is this true? You climbed a tree? And it felt outrageous and almost impossible to believe. Once you start doing crazy things to get what you want and you need, there's a, that's, a, that's a measure of how, how much appetite you have, how desperate you are. Zacchaeus runs and he climbs. There's something he really wants here. And he doesn't care what he looks like. And we're getting near to the crux of the story. I mean, it always felt like the crux of the story to me. I don't, I don't know if it, uh, if it was for you. Uh, especially when we sang the song in Sunday school. Not, not the one we sang today. Do you remember the one Zacchaeus was a very little man and a very little man was he? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, a lot of people. He climbed up to a sycamore tree for the saviour he wanted to see. Well, obviously, like the big part of this story is, is sycamore, isn't it? Like... Why did it have to be a sycamore tree? Could it, does that matter? Did it have to be? Well, actually, sycamore trees, um, they, they have big leaves. They have low branches. So they're good for climbing into and then hiding in. And that's just the kind of things the case is looking for. The other thing about sycamore trees is you're not allowed to grow them in towns at least in Jesus' day. So this tree wasn't inside of Jericho. Jesus has already passed through the city and he's on the, the Jerusalem road. He's on his way out of town. Zacchaeus is so toxically related to his fellow Jericho people that he can't be in the city with them. 
And what he's probably done is he's run out the other side of the city, down the Jerusalem road, found a tree that he can easily climb and hide in. And I think he's hoping that by the time Jesus gets there, the crowd will have gone and he might get a chance to see Jesus without worrying about all those other people. I was never very good at hide and seek because you know that thing where you hid and if it was going well, if you'd hidden well, it was really boring because it was just you on your own and nothing was happening. So I would always be doing a bit of this here and then as soon as you did that, Zacchaeus wasn't a good hider. Uh, with no sense that he was a good hider, as soon as Jesus walks down the road, he just looks up and goes, Zacchaeus, come down. And this is where the story gets really interesting because remember the crowd are a bit, a, a bit annoyed they had made that fanfare for Jesus, they'd given him the big welcome, and then they'd discovered, oh, he's not coming. He's not, they, they, felt, they felt somewhat snubbed. So Jesus is looking up at Zacchaeus in the tree. Whatever crowd is still with Jesus, they, they can see Zacchaeus too. And, and I'm going to imagine with you for a moment that because they're feeling a little bit angry and because it's the case in the tree, this collaborator, this rip-off merchant, for years the only time they got to encounter the case was in his office where he had the Roman authorities backing him up. And everything they felt about the case they had to suppress, they had to behave themselves. Not now. They're outside the city. No Roman authorities nearby. They can start talking to Zacchaeus and shouting whatever four-lettered words come into their, their minds and let this, this parasite, this traitor, this ripper off, they can let him know what they really think of him. And I'm going to imagine for a moment that that's what happens here. And... They're expecting Jesus to side with him because they know that Jesus stands up for the oppressed. They saw it on his way into the city. The crowd were against the beggar and Jesus lifts him up. So here's an oppressor and they're waiting. Kenneth Bailey, a, a Bible scholar, he, he offers a, a suggested speech at this point. Here's what the crowd expected Jesus to say. Zacchaeus, you are a collaborator. You're an oppressor of these good people of Jericho. You've drained the economic lifeblood of your people. You've handed their wealth over to Roman imperialists. This community hates you, and they're quite justified in doing so. You need to quit your job, repent, journey to Jerusalem for ceremonial cleansing, and then return to Jericho and apply yourself to keeping the law. If you're willing to do these things, then next time I'm coming through Jericho, I'll come to your house and we'll have a cup of tea together. That's what the crowd expected Jesus to say. What does he say? Come down right now because I want to go to your house for that cup of tea right now.
Croy didn't like it. Jesus has just refused our hospitality and now he's going to stay at his house. That traitor, scumbag, collaborator, rip-offer. We've already noticed how the crowd celebrated the joy at the end of chapter 18 when he chooses to lift up the oppressed the crowd is with Jesus and they praise God but here all the people saw this and began to mutter he's gone to be the guest of a sinner we like Jesus whenever he stands up for the small guy or when he shows grace to people who somehow we imagine deserve it but not when he does this not when he takes one of the bad guys and offers grace to him too it's interesting what Jesus does here there's, there's already hostility in the air uh, I've asked you to imagine that the hostility that afternoon was directed at, at Zacchaeus in the tree Jesus very skillfully just steps into the place where the hostility that's going to Zacchaeus comes onto him And at the meal that evening, there, there is a meal in Zacchaeus' house. Jesus is there. We get to see a bit of the impact that this grace of Jesus has on Zacchaeus. At some point in the evening, he jumps up from his couch. They're lying around couches, on couches eating. He jumps up from his couch. He turns to Jesus in front of his other guests. And he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount Wow. A guy who's he's pretty much given up everything to make money. He's now given up all the money because he's starting to look for new life. It looks like he's starting the journey back from self-love to the love of other people. I'm going to say hopefully the love of God too. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? What, what kind of thing results in that level of a transformation in somebody's life? Zacchaeus changes, I think, because he's been loved with a costly love. Jesus took the heat that day from the crowd. Jesus was willing to... Zacchaeus was the least popular man in Jericho, and that afternoon Jesus was willing to trump him and go to the top of the pile. I'll be the least popular man in Jericho today. You see, being deeply and truly loved can be a life-changing experience. The, the novelist Alistair MacLeod, in the very last line of his novel, A Great No Great Mischief, he says this. I read it and it never left me. He says, we're all better when we're loved. The final word at this banquet in our passage today is delivered by Jesus. He says, Today salvations come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
it's kind of weird. Like, what does that mean? Where did that come from? Nobody's been talking about Abraham. What? This crowd, I'm going to guess, had been telling Zacchaeus for years on the grounds of his collaboration with Rome that you have no part in our story anymore, son. We're sons of Abraham. We are Jews. We're Israelites. You collaborate with Rome. You are no son of Abraham. You're gone. And Jesus looks him in the eye and he says, of course you have a place in this story. You too are a son of Abraham. Isn't that just amazing? Jesus said salvation has come to this house. Well, how's that happened? Well, he's walked in, hasn't he? Wherever Jesus goes, he brings salvation with him. It's who he is. His name means God saves. He's come, he says, to seek and to save the lost. Folks, this, this story, when you take these two stories together, and I think that's probably the best way to read them, uh, we're reminded in quite powerful terms that Jesus really did come for everyone. Yes, for blind beggars. Yes, for those who are oppressed. This is the Jesus for the left wing, the one who's for the poor and the underdog. But today he's forgiven a collaborator. He's had dinner with a crook. It turns out he doesn't write off the wealthy, even if they've made their money from ripping off other people. You see, Jesus came for the right wing too, to rescue us from our affluence and our greed, and to rescue us from the role of oppressor for those times we find ourselves in it. You see, he's come for us all. He says he's come to seek and to save that which was lost. The lot of us. The wealthy lost and the poor lost. The liberally minded lost and the conservative lost. The influential and the sons of filth. He has come for every last one of us. We're finished for today. We've been in the, the company of Jesus once more and I don't know about you, the, the further I go, the more I see, the more I love him. I just think, my goodness, does this never stop being amazing? And it doesn't. We're only starting to scratch the surface. We've been in the company of Jesus, but, but I want to leave us in the company of Zacchaeus for a moment. What can we say about him? Well, there's not much I can say about Zacchaeus. As, like, he's not a model citizen. I can't point you to Zacchaeus and say, you know, let's all be more like him. No. The, the, one thing, the one thing we can say about Zacchaeus, he was on the lookout for Jesus, and when the time came, he was willing to be found. 
is a little bit like, you know, Jesus told a story a few chapters earlier, Luke records it for us, the story of a lost sheep. There's a, there's a willingness in Zacchaeus to be found. Whenever Jesus speaks to him in that tree, whenever he invites himself to his house, Zacchaeus says to him, yes. If you're coming to me, yes. I would love to be with you. What about you? He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's come for you. Are you willing and ready to be found? We're going to listen to a song just now and it gives us, I think, an opportunity to reflect. We've seen blind Bartimaeus, we've seen Zacchaeus come to Jesus. Jesus is the God who comes to us and we maybe need to we maybe need, just need to take a moment and check whether we're ready to say to him, I come to you.
privileges as a minister to stand in the center of a community like this and to to notice maybe more than most other people can how many people and what kinds of different people are coming to Jesus at any point. I, I see that happening in our community these days, but I don't know all the stories. Um, one thing I, I feel prompted to say is if, if you find yourself thinking, I'd like to do that, but I don't know how, what does it mean to, to come to Jesus, then I'd encourage you to, to speak to somebody who is close to you, somebody who can help you with that. Um, and I would be absolutely delighted if, if I could play that role for you. So, whoever we are, let's come closer to him. Folks, I'm going to take a moment to make a few announcements.